Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I have escaped, in a sense. My apartment is no longer mine. My possessions are long gone. Any other objects or connections that may at one time have belonged to me must, I assume, have been passed on to my successor. I can hear him moving around in the lit places beyond the darkness of my crawl space calling imperiously to his children, and sparring wittily with his partner. They all sound happy. He sounds better at this than I ever was. He's a fool to announce his plans out loud, though. You shouldn't say what you're thinking, not here, not in a skew, because I can hear him responding to their complaints about the hideous scratching from beyond the walls, with at first denial 
then scepticism, and finally a grudging agreement to call in the fumigators. By the time they come, before they even have a chance to put up the polythene walls to entrap me, before the gas makes its hissing entrance into the dark and cramped places where I reside, I have found my exit, prized back the boards, scratched a path through the plaster, scurried out into a bedroom and a hall that I do not recognise, darting between their legs as they cry out and swat at me, their pesticidal masks glinting ferociously like anteater snouts, through the open window and scuttling down the wall and into the streets of Askew. When I was a child, and in London, I'd walk to school past an old, unkempt churchyard. Just a low stone wall, and a grassy sanctuary of mossy stones and monuments, its boundaries pushing back against the terraced houses that stood on all sides. A clear, empty, gentle place. At the far end of the churchyard, hidden behind the corner beyond the chapel itself, stood a heavy, long monument, almost a sarcophagus, a memoriam to a faded name. And the shadows behind the monument were cool and sheltered from the wind and the rain. If everything falls apart, I tell myself. If I find myself with no home and no place to go, I'll come here and claim my hidden space behind the sarcophagus, and I'll be safe. Here in Askew, it isn't quite as simple. I can't seem to find my way back to anything. I must have tried to reach Allegra's apartment on foot a hundred times, travelling by landmarks, repeating the name of the street under my breath so I don't forget it. But my old haunts, the places where they knew me, no longer seem to be quite where I thought they were. The streets are winding in new directions, planting unfamiliar signs and shop fronts and faces that do not know me with every step I take. Taxis refuse to acknowledge me. Maps don't show nearly enough, or else the tacky fonts resolve themselves into phrases and insults that explicitly question my sanity. And every corner I stumble upon that might be inhabitable for an evening, every nook of space between the jutting walls of implacable concrete and brick and glass is already occupied by bodies. Or, not bodies, I suppose. Not necessarily bodies. Thick coats and bobble hats and sleeping bags, surrounded by the debris of a life without home. Their backs turned to me, and whatever's beneath, ebbing and stirring in fitful sleep. And if I step too close and murmur, Excuse me, then, Excuse me! Then the coat begins to stir and struggle, and a hand slips out from beneath the quilting, and another hand tugs sleepily at the woollen hat, and all of a sudden there are too many hands reaching out from beneath the coat. Grimy hands on starvation-thin arms that crook at the elbows, but just keep going and going, like a daddy long-legs picking its way out across a bedroom ceiling, rearing up to pursue me. 
Food is plentiful out here, at least. Outside the restaurants and markets and hotels are wheelie bins crammed with unopened packets of biscuits, discarded tins, entire rotisserie chickens, their skin heavy with flaking debris. I do not understand why the city would produce so much only to throw it away. Perhaps there are those amongst us who only eat when there are others there to watch. This carelessness is a blessing, as the walking citizens of Askew rarely look down at me to toss a few coins into my cup. Some days, a passerby will show charity when I am sullenly ignoring them, not looking up, not caring, cursing them all. Some days, they will all fail to turn their heads. Even when I'm begging them, please, to help me, just to give me directions, or let me use their phone, or tell me where I can find help. It isn't the unpredictability that distresses me. It's the sense of weightlessness. The feeling that no matter what I do or what I say, I can no longer have any tangible impact upon the walking world of the pavement before me. But even when you found yourself an empty corner for the night and a bite to eat, sheltered from the wind and the rain by the towering heights of the scrapers and halls that rise over every street, well, then you have to worry about the men who come in twos. Sometimes they come in police uniforms, stepping out of a battered Escovian vehicle. Sometimes they come staggering down the street late at night or early in the morning, laughing uproariously at the ragged sight of you, coming to stand over you and screaming into your face until you acknowledge that, yes, they've woken you. You're aware of how tall and powerful they are and how feeble you are beneath them, sloshing vodka into your eyes if you don't react quickly enough, or you stare back too hard. Their faces are different every time. Ugly sneers, or vague drunken fury, or detached scientific curiosity, but their kicks land just the same way against your ribs. I am dimly aware that, back in my apartment, I once had methods for dealing with problems such as this. Money and phones and debit cards. The skeleton keys of any civilised existence. I hope Askew has passed them on to someone who needs them. These days my pockets are empty, and that carries a weight all of its own. Tonight the men who come in twos are in uniform, and their violence is legitimate and they are dogged in their pursuit. As I hear them approach, I get up from one hiding spot and stumble down the street, knocking into passers-by as they stroll after me in perfect lockstep, calling out, Move along. Move along. I turn corners and negotiate paths up and down the winding stairs. I pivot back on myself, feeling my way through pitch black and impossibly slender alleyways. But the policemen are still after me, always just a little way behind me. Their laughter like babbling water in the air as they cry, Move along now. Move along. They'll drive me into the river, I think, in a sudden panic. They'll follow me into the sea. This street is pocked with holes, little stone archways descending into lower ground floor apartments. 
I slip into one. Try the handle. Move on. Try the next handle. There has to be somewhere. There's no other explanation. There has to be somewhere in this godforsaken city that lured me in twelve years ago, that will accept me now, that will take me in. But the third handle doesn't yield, and neither does the fourth. And the two policemen are getting closer and closer. I duck into the fifth doorway and snatch at the doorknob hidden in shadows. And the sensation is so horribly wrong, so completely alien, that I start away from it in revulsion before I realise what I'm looking at. The doorknob is a hand. A carved wooden hand. Its fingers outstretched as if to shake, but it offers no resistance to my touch, and the door itself swings ajar, caving in to the darkness behind it. Anywhere is better than out here. I've told myself that before. The first time I found myself without a home, although that time was by choice. I hurry down into the darkness of the interior and close the peculiar door shut behind me. There's light in here. That's the first surprising thing. Soft, radiant blue light spiralling down from the glass cupola above raising silent and gentle whirlwinds of dust up into the air. The second surprising thing is the puppets upon their shelves. Wooden puppets. Their stubs of arms hanging limply from their shoulders, their stubs of feet dangling from their stubs of torsos. Their faces would be stubs as well, if not for the nasty little faces that have been painted in. There are police puppets, and doctor puppets, and soldier puppets, and ballerina puppets, and child puppets, loomed over by impossibly tall, unhappy-looking puppets, all kinds of puppets, a city of puppets, an audience of puppets. I have seen these before, in the tourist traps and curio shops. I think there must be some local tradition or folklore behind them, because otherwise I cannot imagine any reason why they'd possibly exist, or why anyone would buy them. They're crude and stupid and horrible. Little gurning faces in little picked-out uniforms, with blobs of white paint for eyes beneath blobs of black paint for pupils. They are not staring at me because they are so incapable of staring, so clearly artificial and false and ugly, that their eyes are not eyes at all, but so vividly something else. I can hear voices on the other side of the door. I have been followed. I hurry on, past the towering shelves of puppets, deeper into the toy shop. Somewhere past the aisles of distressingly carved rocking horses and feral-looking stuffed bears sitting back on their haunches, I begin to feel a little better about my situation. I am somewhere, at least. Somewhere with walls and a ceiling and rules. Perhaps they're looking for an assistant. I could sell these horrible puppets, make small talk with the parents, ruffle the hair of the presumably adorable children who'd come in here looking for toys. Perhaps this could be the moment when I finally discover a place for myself. 
I come to a counter and a dead stop. There's a man standing to attention behind the counter, his face cast entirely in shadow, gazing out over the city of toys. His beard is long and thick and angular, a real hussar's beard, like something out of time. I cringe back, then awkwardly say something like, Hello? But he doesn't reply. I try again with, I just needed to get out of the cold in the rain. But he ignores me. Perhaps he's already called for the police. I tell him that I can get him money, that I've just had a run of bad luck and a few rough nights, that I just have to sleep and eat and get my head together, and then I can track down Allegra, or visit my employers if I can find out where their offices have disappeared to, and I can make all of this right again. I tell him that he doesn't need to ignore me like that. He could at least have the decency to look at me. I tell him that he's a heartless man, a cruel, thoughtless man, safe in his comfort while he ignores my pain. I tell him to hell with him, and I lunge forward across the counter to grab him by his hussar's beard, and as I take it in my hands, his face comes away with it. I think I shriek. The colossal puppet dances, reverberating with the aftershocks of my assault, its wooden limbs clacking against its wooden body. I drop the bearded mask on the counter and begin to laugh, a little nervily, at my own stupidity. A moment later, I fall silent, because the door bangs shut across the shop floor and I can hear the murmuring voices of the two policemen echoing in the stillness. They must have heard me. Behind the counter, there's an open threshold and a stairwell leading upwards. I slip around the wooden surface as quietly as I can, past the enormous soldier puppet, and I begin my climb. There's no bed up here, no boiler or utilities, no sign that anyone has in fact been living here. Just bare walls and empty wooden floors that creak dangerously with every step as I pass through the corridors. At the far end of the farthest room, I find myself at a sudden dead end. I'm standing in an empty, windowless space. A non-room. Not quite empty. There's a mirror leant against the far wall. Not in the corner, not screwed into the wall itself, but propped against the wall, as if it had just been left there halfway on its journey to somewhere else, and was never recovered. I halt uncertainly in front of it, not really knowing where I can flee to from here. My reflection halts as well. We eye each other uneasily. It's a perfectly normal thing to have some measure of distrust towards your own reflection. A sense of conspiracy, as you stare into your own grinning face, but behind that the slight suspicion that your other half may be smiling for its own separate reasons. I don't feel that, gazing into the mirror in the empty room over the toy shop. I feel, I feel distance. distance. The silhouetted thing in the mirror does not look anything like me. 
Its face is haggard, lean. It's shrunken, stooped, the cheekbones cutting through a wan and weary skin. Its eyes look as if they've given up. Its, its handlers clinging like claws to its, its own ragged coat, giving the impression that it's taller than I believe myself to be, towering over the floor, its head almost brushing the ceiling. We watch each other warily for, for a moment, and then, and then turn, turn our backs, backs on one another. another. Strange to think. To be awake like this, I mean. I never seem to think. I never seem to be alive to what this city is, to its true face. But then at times like these, I find, it's better not to allow yourself to think. To its changes. I could be so much more. If only I let myself change with it. I can hear the policemen muttering below my feet. As I patter down the stairs, as I swoop down the corridors and halls, as I change, I can hear them. As if they're sifting through the puppets, knocking the horrid little things from their shelves in an effort to find me. I don't really know what will happen when they do this time. They don't hear me as I descend, the wings of my coat billowing, my mouth widening and widening to accommodate them. They are so small, so breakable. I don't know why I was ever afraid of them. There's a clunk from downstairs, a sudden intake of breath, and a louder sound, as if something has fallen over. A tearing noise, like a sheet being divided in two. I listen, and listen, but there's there's nothing nothing else. else. Nothing but flesh, and flesh is clay, and clay is shape, and shape will be remoulded, or it will be broken. They tear like cloth beneath my fingers. They do not scream. They submit to change as change comes upon them. There's no remedy, no alternative. I venture slowly back down the stairs, into the toy shop, to see if my route for escape is clear. My pursuers are nowhere to be seen. The shelves have been wrecked. Wooden puppets dangle helplessly over precipices, or lie discarded on the floor. In the very centre of the room, there's something strange. Two of the puppets are in pieces. The string that holds their fragile wooden limbs together has been severed or shredded. The pieces of their bodies, distinct from one another, have been neatly arranged, legs upon head, upon arms, upon torso. They're both painted in the uniforms of policemen no longer. Men no longer. Everything can be rearranged. Everything can be given new purpose, new bones, new shape. Suddenly I begin to feel deeply uneasy. The door is still ajar, leading back into the street. My My shadow shadow and I flee into the city city together. After that night... I'm no longer harassed upon the street when I'm trying to sleep. Sleep is no longer needed after that night. It is so freeing to be rid of such things. To do away with limitations of mind and shape and animal need. To be at one with the city. Something else happens instead. It is not uncommon for me to stir from my berth under the railway arches. Or in some hidden alcove before dawn and find a new, broken, wooden puppet laid on the stones before me like an offering. Or two of them, 
or an entire family, the pieces rearranged and reassembled. Policemen, businesswomen, children. The expressions painted onto the puppets' faces are often curiously dire, just a slap of an unhappy upside-down smile upon their mouths, or eyes that are painted too wide, or sometimes no eyes at all. Nobody comes to offer me a few coins or a sandwich anymore, either. Nobody pays me any attention at all. The newspapers speak of a different world. Political scandals, sports matches, some strange new disappearances of people who walk down rough alleyways or stay out too late at night while drinking. None of it is relevant. None of it has any meaning. All of it makes for padding that goes into the sleeves and lining of my coat, into the toes of my boots, making precious warmth until the rain seeps through and it rots and melts like skin, and I have to replace it. This, this is change, change, then. All that Askew's ever had for me is change, and what are we without change? I glory in each broken body, each new disassembling. I dance and fly into the night over the rooftops, under the streets, finding new shapes to take apart, new pieces to put together. I do not fear the city. Shadows only appear to have form from a certain perspective, and this has always been a world of shadows. Be with you again soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.